there's a story that I wanted to start this out with. It has to do with the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta. The U.S. women's softball team played. They won the gold medal that year. They won all their games except for one. And that stands out. There was a player by the name of Danielle Tyler. She hit a home run. When she hit that home run, the score was tied at zero. Great hit, went over the center field fence. As she went around the bases, was coming toward home, her teammates were overjoyed. They ran out to greet her and to celebrate with her. In all of the celebration, she lost her focus. She forgot to touch the base. When all of the yelling at home plate subsided, the players, the coach from the other team, went to the umpire, and she was declared out. As it ended up, the game remained scoreless until it went into extra innings, and the Australian team ended up winning 2-1 to one over the U.S. The goal was to win, but someone lost focus. I say that because God has really been impressing upon my heart as a pastor the fact that we are church family, the fact that we go forward together, When it comes to pastoring, you can think you're leading, but if you turn around and no one's behind you, you're just a man taking a walk, Alan would say. I feel like what happens next is vital for all of us to be in one mind and one accord, for all of us to understand that the role we play is a vital one in this church. In life, people can lose focus. Maybe they lose focus because they've never learned the value of discipline in their life. Focus is a discipline. We live in a society that tells everyone, do what you want, whenever you want. You want to watch TV all day? Watch TV all day. Tells our young people, you want to play video games 24-7? Play video games 24-7. If you feel like doing it, then do it. It's almost like in our society, it's this family value that gets passed down. Society can come over into the church. There's times that we can feel like in the church, we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. We can act as if it's our right not to be engaged. And one of the sad things is when you see people who spend time chasing their happiness, not engaging, and they end up being just as tired as the people who are chasing. You ever notice that? I've learned with this walk that there are going to be some weeks that I feel tired. But the truth is, I would rather be tired and walking in God's blessing than have the best that the world has to offer. I would rather be walking thinking that was a tough week, but I am blessed, I am highly favored of God, and I'm going to keep walking this path. One of the saddest things is is to see people suffering because they don't understand the power of distraction and focus. Something you'll learn is you're in church for any amount of time. Time spent on a pew does not automatically translate to maturity in Christ. 
You can have a relationship with the church and yet not have a relationship with Jesus. Honestly, it comes to putting in the work. Proverbs 20 and 4 says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. The Living Bible puts it this way. If you won't plow in the cold, you won't eat at the harvest. A goal for the church family is to raise up children and those who are young in the faith to be able to envision the harvest and then to communicate the discipline that it takes to see a harvest. I was just talking this morning to Lisa. And when I was talking, we were laughing about the fact that I remember a time, Jamie, you remember the Tom Watt days. There were times when the lights weren't going to be on in this house, and the ladies of the church, there were these cardboard boxes, and they called them Tom Watt. And it was just like a Turkish bazaar full of things. You know, like it'd be candles and pencil sharpeners and tin-o notes. You remember when we sold tin-o notes with little corn pens? People's faithfulness brought it far. And I'd like to believe that it was the tin-o notes that we sold that helped keep the lights on at times. <laughs> but we can get distracted. A big thing now is MMA fighting. Dina loves watching that. And it's a hot ticket to go to MMA fights. But imagine that fighter being in the ring, mid-round, looking out, seeing a celebrity. Ben Affleck, J-Lo, congratulations on your nuptials. Call me, we'll do lunch. If they did that, they would get knocked out. They would go night-night. <laughs> and it's weird that we can understand that, but the fight that we're in is every bit just as serious. It, every bit, it takes all of our concentration. My mother had a nine-hour surgery on her neck. The doctor who came in to consult with her was very sure of himself. I would maybe categorize it as arrogant to the point of almost being unlikable. I mean, he, he was something. But imagine if he would have come in and would have said, I've always loved the thought of practicing medicine, and I like these white coats, but I tend to get distracted sometimes. She would not have gone through with the surgery. I hope not. She might have been like, well, he was nice. <laughs> I'll do it. But the man had focus. Sometimes people lose focus because they get seduced towards something else. Example? book of Judges, a man named Samson. Samson was to be Israel's deliverer. Samson had a relatively short list of rules to obey. And along came Delilah. It can be like that for us. I mean, Samson, when I read that as a kid, He-Man was a big thing. I always just pictured Samson as He-Man. He went from deliverer to dehumanized in a matter of verses because he lost focus. Do you know what his mistake was? It was thinking that he could have it both ways. 
As God's people, we can get into this idea that we can have it both ways, that we can put one foot in the world, we can put one foot in church, and it's going to work out. At some point, it's not going to work out. If you say, well, I've done this for years, stop doing it. Stop doing it because it's a recipe for destruction. And I would not want to be the person that was like, how long did you go with one foot in the world and one foot? I went five years and two days. How long did you go? <laughs> I made it eight years. Well, we're both destroyed. How'd that work out for us? <laughs> the God we serve, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 33, is not an author of confusion but of peace. If you are on a God path and you know it is a God path and you're having all these like alternate route ideas coming up in your head, I can guarantee it's not a God thing at times. Because he's not looking to confuse you. He's not looking for you to feel like any step you take is the wrong step. He, his peace is going with you. His peace is beside you. Jesus describes the kingdom of God in the parable of the sower. I'm going to read about the sower. I'm going to go into a few things. A sower, according to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, this is an important thing when you hear this, because we have this Americanized idea of Jesus, that Jesus is always just looking on like some doting grandparent at a science fair, right? That Jesus would never raise his voice. That Jesus, no, the idea here is at the end of this, when it says he cried out, the Greek words are Jesus is yelling, if you have ears, listen to this. It is vital. And church, here is a thing. When there is seed sown, there is purpose in mind for that seed. It doesn't just happen when the sower goes out, he has an idea in mind of what's going to come next. I say that because there is no happenstance to this. There is God plan to this. So, in Luke 8, chapter 13, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. That verse 14, it's worth looking into. The cares of this life. How many of you have had something that has weighed on your heart this week? or two things, or 24 things. Moment of transparency, me. And when these things happen, it can change trajectory in what we do for God in that time. We live in a world that I feel like it almost sets out to try to confuse. An example would be a few years ago, there was this healthcare marketplace. It's an awesome idea. 
that I spent eight hours on the phone. Do you remember that? I mean, eight hours. My wife went to bed and got back up, and she's like, are you still on the phone? I'm like, yes, I need health care for my family. <laughs> it's so easy, this system. It took discipline to stay the course, because after about two hours of Muzak, I about lost it. It can be confusing in life. What to eat, when to eat, if you're trying to work out, when to do that. What subscriptions should I get? Should I get Disney Plus? No, not Disney Plus. No, not Netflix. No. Should I get this? Should I get that? I mean, you can get confused with the smallest things. What phone carrier should I use? You can become so frustrated that it goes over into church, that it carries over into Sunday, that it carries over into the things that God's trying to tell us. Here is my will for you. And you're like, but there's so much going on. Several years ago, we were sitting at a table. It was, I think of this, Tiff, with my nephew, who's just sitting down. Poor Gavin, just trying to enjoy a grilled cheese in Nassau, Bahamas. And a flock of seagulls, not the band, but literally like a flock of seagulls, almost, they were either carrying Gavin away or carrying his food away. <laughs> and Gavin made the wise choice, duck and cover, and he ran away. That's how our problems can seem at times. Run! God's got this, church. Here's the truth, what I'm about to say, and I pray that you hear it. When your life is all said and done, do you know what you will be left with? Your priorities. If Jesus Christ was that priority, then that will be what you're left with. If it's all of the other things that the world tells you should be a priority, that's what you'll be left with. One of the things you do as a pastor is when someone passes away, you, you start the service by reading the obituary. And what's wild is I often think when I'm reading those obituaries that you never hear so many things in life that we spent time worrying about, that we spent time thinking, God, let me worry this into existence. When we're speaking life over families today, do you love your children? Yes. Can you worry your children into the path you want them to go? No. Can you pray to the God who can do anything and pray that he directs their path and trust him and say they were your babies before they were my babies? Yes, you can. Each of us has 24 hours in the day. I don't care if you are the current president, the former president, if you are Elon Musk, if you are Chuck Norris, if you are Taylor Swift, you get 24 hours in a day. That's what you get. When that happens, what are you going to do with those critical hours? I mean, this is just real talk, church. This is real talk. When we say church is about discipling, it's saying, God, I'm putting you first, not just when I'm within these walls, but when I am outside of these walls. I don't want to spend my life running in circles. I don't want to be just putting out the next fire. I want to understand, God, that sometimes what I see is urgent is not always what's important. I want your discipline. 
sometimes the riches or material things can become the distraction. When you talk about what keeps the seed from growing, we have things. Used to laugh with my kids when they were little. I'd be like, if there is ever like a junior hoarders show, they are going to film it in my kids' playroom. We have so much stuff, we give stuff away and we still have too much stuff. Things end up taking our time. It takes our time, our energy, and our money. Stuff. We can get to a place where our, the chase for stuff ends up taking away from the chase for Jesus Christ. Americans in general can spend time thinking that church is a luxury item that we can attend if the week has gone well and we're not too tired because we need that reset for the next week. Again, one foot in the world and one foot in church. Israel often found itself in these places. In Malachi 1.14, they tried to bring God leftover sacrifices, and God said, don't bother. He wants all of our heart. He wants it 24-7. He wants it when I am on the mountaintop, and he wants it when I'm in the valley. He wants it when I am sure of the path, and when I don't know what's going on at times, he wants my heart. There was a rich young ruler that walks up to Jesus, and he walks away sorrowful because he wouldn't let go of the things. I don't want the things to own me. What does that look like, church? It looks like when they slide the paper across to you at the dealership and the lease payment is going to be like as much as it would cost to spend six months in a foreign country. And you know when you do that, it can draw you away from doing the things God's calling you to do, but you do it anyway. Just being real. My dad used to say that a boat is a hole in the lake where you throw your, water, or throw your money. It, it's true. And I'm not saying things are so bad, but I'm saying as people, we know if I go here, then it means I'm limited in what I can do here. If I go here, and Jesus is present in every step. And so Jesus may be, you know what? You don't need the heated seats and the cooled water coaster holder thing. You really don't need that. Maybe what you need is to prioritize. And again, I'm not saying that in this way that church, we're doing. No, I'm saying he challenges us. Good Lord, he challenges me and my wife. He often uses her to challenge me. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Mark 8.37 says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? One of the last things that can trip us up are the pleasures of life. With Israel, the more God would bless Israel, often Israel would take that blessing and they would go thank a foreign God for it. They would take that blessing and they would chase after idols. In America, I was just talking to someone this morning, by world standards, we are very affluent. And those that are the poorest in our society at times would be considered wealthy in other countries by the world standards. But often that can come with temptation. Alcohol, drugs, pornography. Addiction rates are at record highs, especially following the pandemic. Things are messed up in the world. 
But God says, as a Christian, what have I given you and what are you going to do with it? If I have given you this moment, you cannot redo the moments before this. You can't bank on however many moments you think you deserve. But if I've given you this moment, what are you going to do with that? God, show me where to be committed. God, help me to see each day as your gift. Don't let me give one day away to the devil and don't let me waste it on myself, but let me walk in your ways. Let me do so in joy. Let me do so in the fact that I know you have anointed me. Do not let me see you as a luxury item. The cares, riches, and pleasures of life can distract. Focus on God and his Here's one. Some people can lose their focus on God and his purpose because we can be self-absorbed. This hurts. This hurts personally. You can be absorbed with your own personal issues. You can be absorbed with what other people think about you. That was me. That was me, Reverend Robert Meredith. Number 41265, I think. No, it's not even my numbers. But whatever numbers I am, I could worry about what other contemporaries may think of me. I can be absorbed with my own desires and ambitions. I can come to a place, instead of worshiping God, I can be counting all the things that I feel like God didn't come through the way that I thought he should. I'm just being honest. was telling someone this morning that a benefit of going on a foreign mission trip at times is that you come back and you're almost disgusted with how blessed you are. And I don't know at what point when I go on those things and come back that I tend to forget how blessed I am. But I've been asking God to intentionally check me when I'm not counting my blessings. Asking God to maybe square me up. You know how he did with Job. He's like, you've asked your questions. You have a seat. I've got some questions of my own. I say that because this is where we walk, church. This is where we all are. And if we are willing to listen to the voice of God and let him guide us, if we're willing to be brave enough to say, you know what, God, your ways really are higher than mine, and I'm going to trust you on this one, then we will see things that we've never seen before. The last story that I wanted to tell you has to do with a plane in 1972. It was flying near the Everglades. I'm not sure where the landing spot was going to be for this plane. But as they were preparing for a landing, they noticed something. There was a malfunction. They weren't sure if the landing gear was down or not. And so... There was a light which signified whether it was on or off. 
And so seeing as you're on an airplane and no one else was around and they didn't have time to figure this out, they began to think, what if it's the light bulb? And so the engineer comes in and the engineer was unable to take the light bulb out for whatever reason, it was stuck. And so the plane during this time, they decide, we're just going to circle, figure this out. Well, more and more people became involved with trying to figure out this minor problem of a 75-cent light bulb. And eventually, they became so distracted by that that they forgot about the business of keeping the plane level, and the plane ended up going down. There were 101 people on board. It's a true story. And I say that because what we're doing for the kingdom of God, it is vital for each person to maintain their focus. If there are things that we do and God gives you point on that, Dottie, I need to trust that God gave you point and I don't need to worry about flying the plane on that because he gave you point. Business at hand. Don't be distracted, right? Know that if the seed was sown, it was sown for a purpose. And know that the God who does anything that he wants has this under control. I urge you, church, to keep your focus. I urge you that regardless of the sound of the wind, however the boat may be rocking right now, Keep your focus. If you'll stand. I'm going to ask, as the worship team comes forward, I'm going to ask for the prayer elders to come up. And here's my challenge to you. If we're honest before God, and God points things out, will you be brave enough to step into those places that he's urging you to step? Will you take steps this week? If he says step into that place, to step into that place. If he's saying step out of that place, then will you be brave enough to step out of that place? When it comes to the things that have weighed you down, will you have the courage to look at those things square in the eye and say, my God is bigger and walk accordingly? If your home has dysfunction, will you commit this week before you go a step farther to go ointing cool? And walk through that home and pray over every room and speak anointing over everyone in your family to speak destiny over them. That's the God we serve. So we're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray. And if you need prayer, if you're here, do not leave without getting prayer. Oh, Lord. That's one of the worst things we could do. There are people who want to agree with you. My wife will come in a moment, has some things to say to you, but let's pray.
Father, I thank you for church family. I thank you, God, for the steps that you are directing. I thank you that you're the one who makes the seed and makes it grow. Do not let me be a hindrance. And Father, I pray for everyone here, your hedge of protection about their family, your courage to take the steps that need to be taken. And Father, for the places that this church is to go, I pray that we would step into those faithfully and in your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.